Next up for his first major league at bat, batting second for the Dodgers, number 42, Jackie Robinson. It's a ground ball to third base. No problem for Bob Elliott. He's out. And with that, the first African-American to play in the major leagues has made his professional debut. Not so fast. On April 15th, 1947, a 28-year-old Jackie Robinson did take his first at bat for the LA Dodgers. But that was not the first African-American to play professional major league baseball. Or even the second. On this episode of the 419, we uncover a story about baseball and racial integration that occurred nearly 60 years before Jackie Robinson. A story about the first baseball player to break the color barrier. And then the second, a story that happened right here in Toledo, Ohio. In 1883, Toledo was home to a respected baseball organization of the Northwestern League, the Toledo Blue Stockings. That very same year, the Blue Stockings won the Northwestern League Championship, bumping them up to the American Association, which is today known in the MLB as just the American League. And the next year, on May 1st of 1884, Moses Fleetwood Walker would take his first at bat in the major leagues. Here's Sarah Swisher with more on that. Moses Fleetwood Walker was born in 1857 at a way station on the Underground Railroad. The son of one of Ohio's first black physicians, Walker grew up in Mount Pleasant, Ohio in an interracial family. He'd face daily oppression. Fleetwood would fight segregation through his schooling. Prospering in a negative environment, he would go on to Oberlin College where he played on their first varsity baseball team in 1881. Later, he would be recruited to the University of Michigan. Walker's all-around athleticism at the University of Michigan was described by his simple nickname of The Wonder. After graduating college in 1883, William Voltz, manager of the Toledo Blue Stockings, called Walker and asked him to play catcher for the team. The following is an account of what baseball historian James A. Riles said about Fleet's introduction to the league. Most of the country wasn't ready for this. Many of the fans would yell mean, obscene things out of the stands when he'd go into the game. They'd call him bad names. Moses Fleetwood Walker would go hitless and rack up four errors in his first game in the major leagues. Being that it was 1884, Many people weren't ready for a man of color in professional ball. Many of the other team's players vowed not to play the club if Fleetwood was named a starter. One of his own team's pitchers, Tony Mullane, refused to follow Fleetwood's pitch signals. In an interview, Mullane described how Walker settled for not using pitch signals at all, rather than having each of them ignored. I disliked a Negro, and whenever I had to pitch to him, I used to pitch anything I wanted without looking at his signals. One day he signaled me for a curve, and I shot a fastball at him. 
He caught it and walked down to me. Mr. Mullane, he said, I'll catch you without signals, but I won't catch you if you're going across me when I give you a signal. And all the rest of that season, he caught me and caught anything I pitched without knowing what was coming. He was the best catcher I ever worked with. Not Tony Moline nor anyone else was going to stop Moses Fleetwood Walker from playing baseball. Being that it was 1884, catchers didn't really wear any sort of protective gear. And because of this, Moses Fleetwood Walker would get injured, cutting his season short just halfway through. In that season of Major League Ball, Fleetwood Walker would rack up a batting average of 263 and scored 23 runs in 42 games. Later, in 1884, around July, Fleetwood's brother, Weldy Wilberforce Walker, would receive a call from the Blue Stockings. Injuries had left the team a man down, and they needed a catcher. Knowing Weldy's athleticism because of his career, also at the University of Michigan, they called him up from the university, and he played catcher for the Blue Stockings. Weldy Walker became the second African-American to play Major League Baseball when he joined the Toledo Blue Stockings for five games during the summer. Fleetwood and Weldy Walker would be the first African-American brothers to play on a professional sports team for nearly 80 years when Tommy and Hank Aaron both played for the Atlanta Braves. At the end of the year, the Blue Stockings finished with a record of 46-58, and 58, placing them in last place, dropping them down back to the minor leagues. Weldy Walker would go back to college, and Fleetwood bounced around the minor leagues, playing in Cleveland, Newark, and Syracuse. And in 1889, the major leagues enacted the Jim Crow laws, which banned all African-American players indefinitely. Following their exit from baseball, the Walker brothers continued to be civil rights leaders in their own regard. In 1885, Weldy Walker and a friend were refused admittance into the Steubenville roller rink. This angered the men, and they promptly sued the roller rink. Eventually winning the case and receiving financial damages, Weldy wasn't satisfied. He would go on to serve on the executive committee for the newly formed Negro Protection Party in the state of Ohio. When baseball enacted the Jim Crow laws, Weldy Walker didn't take too kindly to this he penned a letter to the Sporting Life magazine that would be regarded by civil rights historians as, quote, perhaps the most passionate cry for justice ever voiced by a Negro athlete. Here's an excerpt from that letter. I have grievances, and it is a question with me whether individual law serves the public good in this case. This is the only question to be considered both morally and financially, in this as it is or ought to be in the case that depend upon the public for success. 
as baseball. I am convinced beyond a doubt that you all, as a body of men, have not been impartial and unprejudiced in your consideration of the great important question, the success of the national game. There should be some broader cause, such as want of ability, behavior, and intelligence, for barring a player other than his color. It is for these reasons and because I think that ability and intelligence should be recognized first and last at all times by everyone. I ask the question again, why was the law permitting colored men to sign repealed? Yours truly, Weldy W. Walker. Fleetwood was also quite successful after baseball. He purchased the Union Hotel in Steubenville, Ohio, where he had spent most of his childhood. He bought a theater in Cadiz, Ohio, and eventually filed several patents for moving picture equipment. He published a weekly newspaper and wrote a book about his struggles called Our Home Colony. Not everyone was happy to see an African-American be so successful. During April of 1891, Moses Fleetwood Walker was walking home, alone, when he was attacked by a group of white men outside of a bar. During the stuffle, Moses stabbed one of the men, Patrick Murray, who eventually died from the injury. Moses would be arrested on charges of second-degree murder and put on trial very quickly. Fleetwood Walker would claim self-defense and the case would go to trial. Fleetwood left his fate in the hands of a 12-man all-white jury. And on June 12th, the court gathered, and the jury delivered their verdict to a crowded courtroom. Not guilty. Moses Fleetwood Walker had been acquitted, and the Cleveland Gazette writes, when the verdict was announced, the courthouse was thronged with spectators who received it with a tremendous roar of cheers. Walker is the hero of the hour. The Walker brothers' courage and achievements continue to go mostly unnoticed. Over 60 years later, Jackie Robinson played his first game for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. This is commonly considered the first time that an African-American player broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. Jackie Robinson was listed as one of time's most influential people of the 20th century. Jackie Robinson's number is universally retired across the MLB. There's even a day in Major League Baseball, April 15th, that will forever be remembered as Jackie Robinson Day. But hey, Fleetwood got a bar. This has been a Toledo Matters Media Production. For this and more podcasts about the city of Toledo, visit ToledoMatters.com. This episode has been produced by Danny Woodcock, musical production by Matthew Muha, engineered by Nathan Lewis, and written and edited by Dorian Slaybod. The aforementioned bar, Fleetwood's Tap Room, is located in the heart of downtown Toledo and comes highly recommended by this narrator. Special thank you to our voice actors who contributed so much to this storytelling. Sarah Swisher, Nick Morgan, 
and Daryl McCullough. For a full copy of the letter that Weldy Walker wrote, check out this episode's show notes or visit ToledoMatters.com slash the 419. And thank you for tuning in and making Toledo matter. Until next time, we wish you well.